It is 11.30 here on Monday. It is June 7th. It's a warm one already. Only going to get warmer as the day goes along. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for uh, choosing the World Voice in Nebraska to be a part of your day. Another great show on tap to start this brand new week. Jason Jorgensen will return and preview the big game for Husker baseball once again. And the first pitch right here on KRVN at 6 o'clock. Also, Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing coming up later this afternoon and in just moments. So give us a taste of that. And then coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll find out exactly how hot it's actually going to get with Paul Perkins and the regional ag weather updates. But as we always do, let's get caught up with our own Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of the interviews to come on Midday. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Happy Monday to all. Here is what's happening on a Midday from the farm team. I'll kick off everything here at 1219 as we're going to talk about U.S. beef processing, not only from the perspective we saw last week with the issues with JBS, but some great expansion happening just north of us in the state of South Dakota. Then Dave will step in at 12.45 as he talks to Charles Herbster, who is running for governor. And then Alex will kick off everything at 1.17 as the Nebraska Beef Council talks about nutrition adventure. So that's a midday on this Monday from the farm team. Okay, thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. Let's turn things over to Jason Jordan. Uh Good interview with Greg from uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. That will be podcasted if you didn't miss it as well. Yeah, and the Huskers tonight against Arkansas. I'll admit, I I didn't think Nebraska could beat those guys. No, I don't As, think Washington. Saturday went about the way I figured it would, but I just didn't think you know they could pull it off last night, and they did, and they did it despite they had four base running blunders. They allowed two runs to score in a wild pitch, which I've never seen in my forty six years on this planet. Not from second base to someone no. scoring a wild pitch that goes to the backstop and bounces back. <laughs> It was a snowball fight there, but yet they found a way to get it done, and they've got a chance here to pull off a victory, a signature win against the old coach and Dave Van Horn. I think if you're Nebraska, you have to feel very confident of how you go into tonight's contest. And if you get past Arkansas, anything is possible at that point. Because you're just two wins away from Omaha. Correct. And it looks like North Carolina State is awaiting them for the Super Regional this upcoming weekend. I don't know much about North Carolina State. I don't either. Uh, But I do know all of the pressures on Arkansas tonight. Oh, for sure. And if Nebraska can get off to another good start like they did last night and play play from ahead and just not, not be their own worst enemy, they got a shot. They got a shot. I'll admit did not think that they'd get this far either, so good for them. Dave Van Horn was looking a little nervous last night. <laughs> Probably a long day for him and his yeah. bunch today before the matchup. So, oh, very good. Uh, Bob, were you watching baseball this past weekend, listening to it? I was listening to it, and I was right there with everybody else, uh, thinking, gee, I don't think they'll be able, be able to pull it off. I went to bed when it was 3-2 to two last night, and I thought, well, I'll get oh, up in the morning. you gave up on them. I did. <laughs> But uh, I'm back. I'm back on the bandwagon. <laughs> we have a little bit of room left for you. So. Oh, good deal. <laughs> what do you have for us in the business report? Stocks are pulling back a little bit after uh, briefly approaching the record highs they reached a month ago. Also, Jeff Bezos will be aboard for Blue Origin's first human space flight next month. Wouldn't we all like to be going on a space flight? No, thank you. I saw the Martian. And uh, no, I don't want... To do that, so thank you very much. Okay, that that and more.
It is time for regional ag weather updates. 11:44 here at KRVN. We're now joined by Paul Perkins, and Paul, it is uh, summer-like weather out right now for most of us. Yes, uh, getting steamy already. Those uh, that humidity, you could feel it in the air. Uh, last started to feel it yesterday, but we're really feeling it today. Anytime that dew point gets to about 65, that's when you're feeling that humidity. And right now, most of us with dew points in the upper 60s across the area, including up to 69 on the dew. Point. Point in Broken Mole, Lexington, and in Kearney. So uh, dew point kind of centered right in central Nebraska. We do have some dew points right around 70 in Norton and Smith Center over north central Kansas. All right. You could feel it this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, already this morning, you could feel it out. Yeah. And it's that time of year, I guess. And, you know, just walking anywhere, you can just see that light haze in the air, and yeah. we're yep. starting to feel it. <laughs> and it's going to continue for pretty much... This entire week. Yeah, it's looking very, very, very warm over the next few days, uh, well above normal on the temperatures. Currently, we have those temperatures in the low to mid-80s for the most part across the area. A little bit of cloud cover in the Nebraska Panhandle and also over far southeast Nebraska and northeast Kansas, but all of, otherwise pretty much wall-to-wall sunshine. The actual air temperature is once again in the low to mid-80s. You team that up with the humidity. Already starting to talk about heat indexes here, mid to upper 80s for what it feels like right now now and we do have heat index readings approaching right around 90 from valentine to o'neill and the Wayne area in north central and northeastern nebraska and that's where those temperatures are actually the warmest in the upper 80s of course they're closer to that very hot heat over uh, portions of the northern plains but they are seeing some relief from that heat into the dakotas right now right now temperatures mostly in the 70s and in much of western make that northern and western areas up north dakota now through today through thursday in our area our t- Skies will remain sunny to partly cloudy. Temperatures right around 10 degrees above average as our area sits just to the south of a cold front. Today and tomorrow, some late-day scattered thunderstorms possible in western areas of Nebraska and northeast Colorado with the weak disturbance tracking to the southeast. It will remain somewhat humid. That's all thanks to some occasionally breezy south winds just ahead of a low-pressure trough over the high plains. Tomorrow night through Thursday, that cold front pushing a little bit more to the south. Could see some scattered thunderstorm chances move into the west and the central for tomorrow night through Thursday. A slightly better chance of thunderstorms with the possibility of severe weather for Thursday night when that cold front does push to the south. Breezy north winds behind that front, decreasing the humidity and cooling our temperatures back to seasonal on Friday. The weekend will be mostly dry and 10 degrees warmer than average as a ridge of high pressure starts to rebuild north across the plains. Warmer weather likely to continue through our long term. The latest long term forecast indicates a strong likelihood of above normal temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. this weekend through the first 10 days, or through the first day of summer and Father's Day, which uh, coincides to be both on June 20th. It's not looking good for rain chances, but low normal rainfall predicted this weekend through June 20th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S. Key weather factors impacting the markets include heat and a mix of rain chances across the northern U.S., and the continuation of dry weather in central Brazil, a cold front tracking east out of the Pacific Northwest, beginning to interact with pool moisture, leading to some locally heavy thunderstorms in the north central U.S. over the next few days. One to two inch amounts may occur across parts of the northern plains and the far upper Midwest. After triple digit heat engulfed most of the northern plains Friday and Saturday, conditions did cool across the northwestern northern plains yesterday. That heat will remain across the majority of the northern plains, though, through the week. 
Widespread moderate rain late this week, likely to be followed by more dry weather next week. Drought stress continues to be significant and severe across most of the northern plains. In Iowa and Minnesota, very little rainfall forecast for most of this week as temperatures rain, remain well above normal. The western Midwest will likely see more crop stress developing this week, while eastern areas of the Midwest could see some easing with widespread 1 to 3 inches of rainfall through Friday. In southern Brazil, scattered moderate to heavy rain moved through during the weekend, while central Brazil remained dry. That will continue for most of this week. Rain will quickly dry up as it moves north towards central Brazil. Second crop corn running out of time for rain to be a benefit, and drought stress continues to be harsh. So it's going to be warm. Uh, Similar-like temperatures pretty much for the near future, for foreseeable future. But it would be nice if we did get some rain, but doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Yeah, any rain or thunderstorm chances that do move through look to be very spotty. So if you do see any rain, probably not going to amount to a whole lot. Maybe an isolated, locally heavy amount. But yeah, most of it's going to be on the warm and dry side over the next few days. And all the way through the first day of summer, and that's when summer begins. And they're talking above normal temperatures, below normal rainfall for us through the summer months, too. We had a wet couple of weeks there, a couple about a month ago now, I suppose. And now I guess uh, the pivot's going to get a workout. Yes, uh, starting to get that into that time of year. <laughs> okay, very good. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krbn.com. Thank you, Paul. Beef packing disruptions and expansions happening in South Dakota. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, the beef cattle industry was shaken once again recently with a leading meat packer, JBS, forced to temporarily close several beef plants because of cyber attacks. Those plants have since come back online, but the uncertainty created in the cattle markets was unsettling for producers and now has become part of a dialogue with packer concentration. Kansas State University livestock economist Glenn Townsend says that the good news was JBS incident was short-lived. What I've been telling folks is anytime we lose processing capacity, when we're at a point where the capacity is full, and what I mean by that is we have more cattle trying to get in than we can handle given labor availability in the existing plants, that is not advantageous for fed cattle. So what we typically would expect to see is that depresses fed cattle prices and further elevates wholesale beef prices. The exact end of the day economic impact of all that is dependent on the duration. It was hours of days, not weeks. And if that's the case, it certainly could have been worse. Now, it is uncertain, though, that fed into the ongoing debate that rekindled last year with the pandemic interruptions in normal beef processing, that is, as concentration in the packing sector is probably in need of action. And Tonzer says it's hardly a new topic. There's decades of discussion about what is the concentration, what should be the concentration. And even the term concentration takes on different metrics. So are we talking regional concentration? Are we talking company ownership? Are we talking plant size? There's a lot of degrees even there. But I encourage everybody to recognize that it's not just concentration is not a black or white thing. There's a lot of dimensions to it. And he says he understands the concerns expressed relating to the structure of the beef packing sector. As he has in the past, he asks all those that stake in the cattle industry to assess the situation carefully before jumping to any sort of conclusions. Even before this announcement, there was a lot of heartburn over what the industry structure was. You know, it's well noted that the majority of the cattle that are processed in the U.S. are processed in facilities, the larger facilities in our industry, by four companies in particular. 
that's been the case for well over two decades. Uh, there's been lots of discussion about that for well over two decades. I do expect this will just be the latest thing, like the stake in the ground that drives that discussion further forward. My plea is always use data and economic logic to understand how and why the industry evolved the way it did. Is there ways to improve it? Sure, there's ways to improve any system. But again, I'm pleading for some data-driven calm assessment. Let's do what is right for society as opposed to one individual segment. Head north then into South Dakota. Nearly 100 small South Dakota meat processes are getting a share of $5 million from the state's coronavirus relief meat processing grant program. The program is providing eligible processors with funds to make an immediate impact on the state's ability to process or store South Dakota-raised protein. Now, one of the grant recipients is Randy Gronwald, owner of Dakota Butcher based in Clark, South Dakota. Randy says they also have three locations in Watertown, a store in Madison, and are now expanding in Rapid City. I'm going to be honest with you, this is the probably the most critical time for a lot of these processors. I really don't think this um, could have came at a more opportune time for everybody. A grinder costs $20,000, a cooler or a freezer could cost you up to fifty. dollars with this COVID. Uh, I don't know if that's a, an excuse or what it is, but uh, everything takes a lot longer to get done. Everything costs a lot more to get done or costs a lot more to get it done. And the state received over 100 applications. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen now joining us in the studio and a big night for Husker baseball last night. Keep their season alive. Yeah, they pulled the BGs. They stayed alive last night in the tournament with a win over Arkansas. Kyle Perry and Spencer Schwellenbach limited top-ranked Arkansas to four hits as Nebraska rallied back to force a decisive game seven of the Fayetteville Regional tonight. Head coach Will Bolt talks about how Nebraska will approach tonight's matchup. That we're not done. I mean, this is not what we came here for was to, you know, get to the brink of it we're we're going to continue to give everything we have we're going to continue to fight um, like champions and um, you know whatever happens at the end of the day um, we can all be proud of it bolt made his comments last night his post game show on the husker sports network that's vintage will bolt right there yeah that's that's how they've approached things that's how they've had the season they've had and that's how they'll try to take on tonight's challenge talked about it last hour but i and you referenced it with schwellenbach the closer coming in in the fifth inning. When you get to this time of the year, it may be unorthodox, but you have to do what you have to do, and it worked out. And credit him for gutting it out, because even he admitted afterwards, the needle was on E. (laughs) It was on E. You could tell the ninth (laughs) inning that he just was, his arms tired, and pressure, too. Oh, yeah, and with the crowd going nuts and chanting and all of that. Earlier in the day yesterday, Nebraska beat New Jersey Institute 18-4. to Last night's win puts Nebraska into a regional final. This is an unbelievable stat. They're in a regional final in the final game for the first time since 2003. It has been a while. First pitch tonight with Arkansas set for six. Of course, we'll have the game for you tonight here on 880-KRBN, pregame at 530. Listen, again, as I mentioned last hour, if you're the Huskers, you have to have confidence knowing that they are beatable uh, and have the opportunity to move on and 
face North Carolina State in the Super Regional. Huskers have to run the bases better tonight. Uh, they no, cannot no have four pitches. guys erased. That that was tough to watch. Yeah, that wild pitch was... <laughs> yeah. That's went from bad to worse quick. Yeah, and that too. <laughs> Highly regarded Royals prospect Jackson Kowar is set to make his Major League debut tonight going on the road to face the Angels. 24-year-old is 5-0 and with a 0.85 ERA at AAA Omaha. Right-hander struck out 41 and 31 and two-thirds innings of work. Kansas City was cooled off a little bit over the weekend as they dropped a couple. That's now he will become the fourth guy from the same draft class for the Royals to pitch this year for Kansas City. They need arms or something? They knew. Yeah, they they need arms. Plus, Danny Duffy's been on the uh, injured list here for the last couple of weeks, and they keep debuting these uh, rookies, and hopefully Jackson Gowar is as good as advertised. And Junior Casillas of Lexington was named to the Omaha World Herald Super State Soccer Team. The senior certainly made the most of his time on the pitch for the Class B runner at Minutemen. He missed all but 12 matches, but still managed 11 goals, 9 assists, and was a near-unanimous pick for the top player in Class B. On top of that, they had an all-star game in Omaha over the weekend, and he scored three goals in that thing. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> for Junior yeah, he, he's a real deal, and he's headed on to Iowa Western. Okay, very good. That's sports. For more, you can find it any time at krvn.com. Thank you very much. Time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And Dave, there is a new state commission uh, formed by Governor Pete Ricketts? Well, actually, it's formed by the legislature okay. and, of course, signed into law by Governor Pete Ricketts. Governor Pete Ricketts has appointed 14 Nebraskans to the state's new commission on African-American affairs. The commission will ser- the commissioners will serve four-year terms. The Commission on African-American Affairs was enacted during last year's legislative session. Among the responsibilities, the commission is tasked to coordinate programs relating to housing, education, welfare, uh, employment, law and order, and related problems. Among the members in rural Nebraska are John Carter of Binkelman and Laban New Guinea of Aurora. Carter serves as the chief deputy sheriff for Dundee County. Nguyenia is the co-founder and CEO of Zabuni Specialty Coffee Auction. That's located in Grand Island. Governor Pete Ricketts will be bringing his 30 by 30 town hall tour to Broken Bow today. He's been conducting such town halls across the state in response to President Joe Biden's goal to permanently protect 30% of the nation's land and water in its natural state by the year 2030. He will be at the One Box Convention Center in Broken Bow from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. this afternoon. Then tomorrow he'll conduct a town hall at the Knight Museum and Sand Hill Center in Alliance. Summer weather is here and motorcyclists are taking advantage of the warm weather and hitting the road. Nick Faustman of AAA Nebraska, the Auto Club Group, shares these tips when sharing the road with motorcycles. Be extra cautious on weekends when warm motorcyclists take the road. Provide motorcyclists adequate room to maneuver. Be extra cautious on weekends when more motorcyclists take to the road. Provide motorcyclists at adequate room to maneuver while at least three to four seconds behind them. Allow extra maneuvering room in areas with potholes, pavement transitions, and railroad crossings. Motorcyclists may need to slow down, stop, or adjust their lane position. Never try to share a lane with a motorcycle. Motorcycles have the same right to lanes as any other vehicle. 
The number of Nebraskans fully vaccinated against COVID has reached nearly 830,000, according to the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services, or about 43% of the state's population. Dr. Jasmine Marsland of the University of Nebraska Medical Center's College of Medicine answers the question of whether there is some confusion about whether a fully vaccinated person needs to wear a mask. The CDC has made recommendations that individuals who are fully vaccinated do not need to wear masks outdoors. And there are many situations indoors where fully vaccinated individuals do not need to wear masks. It is important to note that these recommendations do not apply to people who are not vaccinated. Therefore, it is really important for as many people as possible to obtain their COVID-19 vaccine Dr. Marsland says that as more individuals become fully vaccinated, the more people will be able to enjoy activities that they previously enjoyed without wearing masks, both indoors and outdoors. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The FNBO's Fridays in the Field is underway. Be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of Nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop. This is Chad Moyer, and for Fridays in the Field from Northeast Nebraska, we'll be following organic farmer Aaron Zimmerman. He raises corn, beans, and food-grade field peas, uses various types of livestock manure as fertilizer, and also has a field drain tile installation business. Listen for updates from Pierce, Nebraska, on this year's Fridays in the Field. Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. We'll be headed south of the Platte River into Polk County, where I'll catch up with Jim Camrath. It's a multi-generational opportunity to learn how sometimes being a smaller size farm brings some big ideas in raising crops. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm pleased to be visiting with Charles Herbster, who is candidate for governor of Nebraska. And Charles, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and where you're from. Well, Dave, first of all, it's great to join you on your program today. I'm from Falls City, Nebraska, down in the southeastern part of the state, uh, close to where you were born and raised, uh, fourth-generation uh, farmer. Uh, we say farmer and rancher, but really in our area, it's, it's more farmland. We're uh, not only in the registered Angus cattle business, grew up on a large registered Holstein dairy farm where we sold milk and eggs and cream uh, retail to most everybody in the community of Falls City. But we also raised corn and soybeans and a lot of uh, alfalfa hay. In fact, we were we were cutting alfalfa hay this morning before I left to come to the campaign office here in Omaha. And today we're uh, finishing up corn and we're planting beans and we're cutting hay all in one day. So Hmm. lots of activity in Falls City. Um, I I love the town that I was born and raised in and I love our state. And uh, that's why I've uh, never moved anywhere else. I've never gone anywhere else. And probably it would be easier for me to do that than anyone. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about taxes today, but uh, that would certainly be the the typical thing that someone like myself would do who doesn't have a wife, doesn't have any family, I could easily leave the state and get a much better tax benefit. But that's one of the things that's going to be a great project uh, for me as I become the next governor of the state of Nebraska. 
also, you are a businessman, too. I am. I'm going to celebrate 45 years in the direct selling and marketing business from a company that was started in Minneapolis, Minnesota, by the name of the Conklin Company, a family business. So 45 years ago, on December 1, I became a distributor for the company, and uh, the rest is history today. Uh, The Lord provided that I own the company. My wife and I bought it in 1992. We have about 30,000 distributors nationwide. Uh, We manufacture most everything that we sell, so we have manufacturing facilities and distribution facilities in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Well, what led you to decide to run for governor? I love our state. I've been one of those individuals over at least the last decade who've continued to help support a lot of conservative Republican candidates uh, in various fields running for office, not only in the state of Nebraska, but certainly on a national basis. And yet, as I look at our state today and I see that we're really losing population of our younger people, but we're also losing population of people that are in my age bracket, 55 to 65. They're in a situation where uh, maybe they're changing their estate planning for their family. Uh, Maybe they're selling a business, selling property. And again, it continues to come up, what everybody's talking about, and that's uh, the tax basis, the tax system that we have in Nebraska. So one of my definite goals is to work with business leaders in Omaha and Lincoln, to work with people in the third district who are like myself, who are in the cattle business and the farming business. We, we need to rewrite our tax basis here in Nebraska. I think people are ready to do that. We need to look at exemptions. We need to look at uh, consumption tax. We just need to put everything on the table. We need to rebuild Nebraska. One of the things that I've done very, very well in my life is marketing and branding. And I've done that in the cattle business. We've done that globally. Uh, we've done it in the Conklin Company. Uh, I, I want to be the governor who markets and brands Nebraska as the place to come to, the place to live and spend your life here, and not the place to leave from because there's some advantage somewhere else financially. And I'm convinced we can change that. And as we change that, that's going to attract business and manufacturing. We don't need to have huge companies in Nebraska. We'll take any company that will come to our state. But we just need to open up our state to what I call small businesses that supply anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 jobs across the state. You know, we live in the breadbasket in the center of the world of the greatest country in the universe, and we're going to market and brand Nebraska. When it comes to football, mentally, we always believe that Nebraska is number one. And mentally, as governor, I want to change our attitude and our optimism and believe that business-wise, agriculturally, manufacturing, and otherwise, Nebraska is number one, just like our great Cornhusker football team. Well, uh, we've been talking about taxation. What are some other topics or issues you'd like to address as governor of Nebraska? We need to brand and market our great state. I mean, that encompasses almost everything imaginable. Nebraska needs to be number one. No reason that we can't be number one in agriculture and no reason we can't be number one in manufacturing. 
but it's going to take some real effort. I, I, I'm, I'm a negotiator. That's probably what I've done all of my life. That's certainly what I've done in, in the cattle business. And it's, it's proven to work for me. I know how to do that extremely well. And, and we need to negotiate the number one position in this great state. Well, I've been visiting with Charles Herbster, candidate for governor, and I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. With a business report for Monday, I'm Bob Bergen. Stocks edged lower in afternoon trading after briefly approaching the record highs they reached a month ago. The quiet opening to the week follows several choppy weeks as investors continue to gauge the economy's recovery and the risks of rising inflation. On Thursday, investors will get more information on how much consumer prices rose last month. The S&P 500 was down three-tenths of a percent. Technology stocks, banks, and industrial companies pulled the broader market lower. Healthcare companies made solid gains, as did cruise line operators. The yield on the 10-year Treasury held steady at 1.57%. Crude oil prices were little changed. Moderna Incorporated has filed a request with the European Medicines Agency for its COVID-19 vaccine to be granted authorization for use in adolescents. Moderna says in a statement that it has filed data for a conditional marketing approval in the 27-nation EU bloc to expand its coronavirus vaccine to children beyond the green light it received in January for use in adults 18 and over. If authorized, it would be the second COVID-19 vaccine for children to be cleared in the EU. In the meantime, Slovakia has become the second European Union country to administer the Russian-made Sputnik vaccine. Slovakia has 200,000 doses of Sputnik vaccine available, but only about 5,000 people registered to receive the two-shot vaccine in the nation of 5.4 million. Hungary is the other EU nation that has been using the Sputnik vaccine. Jeff Bezos will be aboard for Blue Origin's first human spaceflight next month. In an Instagram post early today, Bezos says he, his brother, and the winner of an ongoing auction will be aboard Blue Origin's new Shepard spacecraft when it launches on July 20th. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. virtual Nutrition Adventure event. Now, for a little bit of background, Nutrition Adventure is really a joint program between Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and the Missouri Beef Councils. Typically, it's a three-day immersive event for select dietitians who, you know, really have a strong social media influence or educational outreach. And our programming includes all things beef, from cut and culinary education, hands-on training, ranch tours, research, professional development, you name it. This year, we hosted 17 influencer dietitians from 12 different states, and you know whether we're virtual or in person, our main goals for this program are to make it engaging, interactive, and really establish those connections. Meaning, you know, we want these participants engaging with our speakers and our content. We want to provide interactive, hands-on programming, and then again, we want to establish those connections back to the attendees' local state beef councils, so they can continue that outreach and promotion of beef in their local states. So, you know, just a quick rundown here. Our first day of programming, we really just wanted to set that bar high for what was to come. That first session, Beef Facts, 
taking your knowledge from rare to well done. Thought that was really clever. Did just that by addressing and, and you know dispelling some of those common beef myths around the latest research. And topics of sustainability were especially intriguing to this audience, and that trend continued then for the next couple of days. And uh, from there, we kind of switched gears and went from research to application, from cutting and culinary demonstration by some staff members at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So Chef Alex, he, he demonstrated four different uses, preparations of sirloin steak. Um, and then one of those was actually a stir-fry recipe that all of the participants then went to their own kitchens on camera and prepared that same dish through his guidance and instruction. Um, you know, then we moved on to day two, definitely a highlight of that program. We did virtual ranch tours and then also incorporated an expert panel. Uh, so each one of these different producers walked the attendees through kind of a 10-minute day in the life, if you will, video. And, you know, once the participants were then familiar with some of those basic practices, processes of raising cattle, uh, they then have the opportunity to kind of discuss those with the leading experts in the field of sustainability, animal health, food safety, and uh, animal nutrition. So uh, third day, Dr. Don Lehman, he led off with... Uh, research and application kind of session that was focused on protein bioavailability, consumption patterns, and then that relationship to between beef's nutritional value and environmental impact. Uh, you know, we, we really could have given him the entire afternoon, given how engaged his dietitian were with this presentation, uh, but we wrapped up the entire program then too with a cooking happy hour. So um, here we had an author, chef, she's a registered dietitian speaker. And she discussed implementing beef in a Mediterranean-style eating pattern to kind of reduce some of those markers of inflammation. And then once again, those attendees joined us from their own kitchens, and they prepared a balsamic marinated flank steak with some rosemary smashed white beans. So all in all, you know, we went on a virtual platform, but I thought it was wildly successful, really engaging, um, and also just, you know, really impactful for um, a beneficial group of dietitians. All right. Sounds like a lot going on for the Nutrition Adventure event. Mitch, thanks so much. That again is Mitch Rippey joining us. He is the Director of Nutrition and Education for the Nebraska Beef Council. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Now as we check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, on that Sunday overnight open, it looked like really North American weather in the driver's seat, and it looks like really at odds between the GFS and the European model. Is that what caused us a little bit of shakeup, or did we just get a little too top-heavy and some guys want to pull some quick money out of this market? Uh, I think the, somebody got their hand caught on the stove, and, and the forecast changed, and uh, you know, you see it cascade the other way. I, I think that's a good lesson. You know, there's opportunities for that tonight as well. Every Monday night, really, if you get a bad crop progress number, then the market surges higher on the open. We trade, you know, 20 higher with a big gap in the chart. I, I would, it's hard to say that because there's the one time I advise you not to do it, it's going to rally hard, but I'd advise you just to kind of go back to bed and just try it in the morning. I, I, I think that more likely than not, the market's going to give you that opportunity to get in. And today is the same thing. You know, we're essentially back to where we closed on Friday. Uh, I don't look at anything major uh, as, uh, you know, changed. You know, whether they put rain in the forecast or not, there's still a long way to go here. So cash prices haven't gone anywhere. I think there's some developments that are happening overseas markets. Like, uh, you know, look at wheat. I, there was some talk on the, over the weekend about Algeria. And I know Algeria is like, what did they have to do with anything? But they're a big buyer of wheat, and they do have a crop that they grow and then will use to partially feed themselves. 
And from what I've heard, they've heard, seen some crop failure there, 20 30% losses. So their imports are going to be up year over year. Egypt's imports, they have a lot of catching up to do. You saw Saudi Arabia pay last week up up in nosebleed prices. So at this point in time, even before the, you, we went on the radio, you and I talking about hay prices. And, you know, hay prices are, are up, I mean, almost, I want to say 100% from where they were two or three years ago. And I just don't think you're going to see a big reversal in those markets all at the same time. So short term, you know, we'll see what the crowd progress says tonight. Uh, and then longer term, the, the USDA report on Thursday, I think, dictates a, a little more action. Looking here at the more macro market picture, we continue to see the Fed slowly getting friendly to the idea that inflation is incurring. Do we see any time when interest rates start to turn around, and does that impact any on the ag marketing side or really on the operator side for the farmer? Well, it operates long, longer term. The quarter basis point turn isn't going to do anything, but it's really more the first move. The first one percent will be moved when they move, I imagine. So right now, the ten-year Treasury note, which is a lot of things based off of, is at one five seven. That's about one, that's about six for weeks now. It really hasn't moved at all. And the last CPI numbers and the job numbers we got, they kind of are going to show some slowing of the economy. I think the Fed's going to stay close to zero. I still like holding physical grain. I think it's it's like anything. It'll it'll be valuable this summer at some point. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Devenny Motors, available at krvn.com or wherever podcasts are available.